Let's pray. Gracious God, we come before you once again. Another week, another Sunday, another time to worship you in this community. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to stir in our midst and that you would just move in a mighty way. Open our ears and our hearts, our minds to continue to hear what you would have to say to us. Remind us of your great love for us in the midst of this time. And Lord, I pray that you would speak through me and speak in spite of me. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, we were talking about the Pancake Supper earlier and how that, that money goes towards uh, the youth mission trip. And one thing about mission trips from my own experience that I've learned, whether it's uh, youth mission trips or um, if it's an adult mission trip, whatever it may be, uh, one of the things that takes place there is you get to know people. Uh, you get to know people maybe from other churches or you get to know people from, um, that you're serving that week, whatever it may be. And oftentimes, you can draw close to that person in just a week's time. And that, it happens almost every year when I go on a mission trip. Uh, and it's happened both times when I've gone uh, with, our, with our youth here at Gethsemane, is that you get to know somebody else from another state or another place or that they're living in the place that you go to serve. And, and you just draw close to them. And you can feel um, just a bond and a Christian friendship that brews just in that uh, week, uh, that week's amount of time. And then, of course, you leave. And, of course, you can exchange emails or, you know, follow each other on social media or um, exchange numbers and things like that so you can keep in touch. But the reality is, and from my own experience is, I'm probably never going to see some of these people ever again on this side of eternity. And it sounds like a, like a downer, but but it's just the reality from my own experiences. I can draw close to people and I can remember who they are. And then after that week is over, it's like I never see them again or I haven't seen them uh, since then. And it's been years for some of them. And it's just a reminder that there's just seasons of life and seasons that God puts us in. And some of them are really short, like a week. Some of them might be a couple years. Some of them might be a lifetime. But uh, life is full of different seasons. And I think about some of the people that I drew close to in those short seasons on mission trips and how I've never seen them since or may never uh, even see them again. And I wonder, as the disciples uh, were gathered around the table with Jesus during the Last Supper, we're going to take these next few weeks uh, leading up to Easter to look at some of the events that took place in the last hours of Jesus' life. And one of those events was the Last Supper, as we read this morning the night before Jesus uh, died on the cross. And uh, one of the things I think about is the disciples and how they're around the table with Jesus and they're dining with Jesus and um, after all of this took place and they looked back, I wondered how often they may have thought that was the last time that we were all going to be sitting together before Jesus' death and dining with him. And I wonder if they thought about that from time to time because you just never know. There's a lot going on in the scripture this morning and as we 
take this season of Lent to kind of put a magnifying glass, so to speak, on some of these special stories that we find in the Gospel of Mark in particular. Um, we look at this story today where Jesus is sharing this meal with his disciples, or as we call it, the Last Supper. And there's a few things happening in this scripture this morning. There's a few things that, is, that are taking place. Uh, there's kind of three, it's kind of, if you look at the scripture, there's three pieces of it uh, that we can kind of take apart. The first piece is in verses 12 through 16, and it's basically all about the, making the preparations for the Passover. So it was the first day of uh, the festival of unleavened bread, and Jesus' disciples want to know where it is they should go to prepare for the Passover. The Passover, of course, is the defining story for the Jewish people. It's the, the story of, of them leaving uh, slavery in Egypt and heading towards the land that God had promised them. It's the story of the angel of death passing over um, uh, the blood-soaked door frames, uh, as we read about in Scripture. And and lives were spared, and because of the, and, and the Passover is now the event uh, that they remember annually of how they were rescued from slavery in Egypt and how God delivered them through the leadership of Moses. And, and as I said, this is the Jewish people's defining story. So that's kind of what's taking place in the first part of this scripture. The second part of the scripture deals with Jesus saying to, that one of the disciples is actually going to betray him. And that's in verses 17 to 21 we see that. As Jesus arrives with the 12 disciples that evening, they were all at the table, and Jesus throws a huge curveball their way, something they're not expecting. If you've ever been at a dinner party or out to dinner with family or something like that, and someone says something unexpected, depending on what they say, it can kind of change the whole mood of the, of the meal. Uh, it can just be like, well, where did that come from? Um, and, and Jesus kind of throws out this statement and leaves it on the table, and he claims, rightly so, that one of the disciples is going to betray him. And they all seem to be sad about this, and they're going around one by one, oh, oh, Jesus, surely it's not me, right? Surely this can't be me who's going to betray you, and Jesus tells them that it is one of them. And the third part of the scripture uh, from 20, verse 22 to 25 deals with Jesus actually sharing the meal with the disciples. So we have the Passover preparation. We have Jesus talking about uh, how one of them is going to betray him. And then the third part of this scripture this morning is basically all about Jesus sharing the meal with the, his disciples. Now the Passover was to be eaten at night. And it was a time of table fellowship that you would have um, with your family. It was an intimate time, and Jesus is eating this meal with his closest friends, his 12 followers, and that becomes his family on this night. And Scripture tells us that while they were eating, Jesus took bread, he gave it to them, and he said, this is my body. And after he took the cup, he gave thanks, and he drank, and they all drank from it, the cup, and Jesus tells them that that was his blood of the new covenant that was poured out for them and was poured out for many. This is the story of the Last Supper. It's a gift for us. One of the gifts I've received years ago was this little Bluetooth speaker. I don't know if any of you have something like this, but it's, it's coming really handy in our home. We have this Bluetooth speaker, and um, my uh, sister-in-law and brother-in-law um, gave this to me several years ago, I think for Christmas. 
And sometimes Christmas gifts, sometimes you have to remember, you know, or Christmas or birthday gifts, it's like, what did I get that year? Or what? And sometimes things just end up in a junk pile somewhere and you don't remember what you got. But, but this is one that has lasted uh, for years. And uh, basically, if, if you don't know, you just turn it on and you can control it from your phone and you can listen to music or podcasts or YouTube videos or whatever you want to do and, and it's just a louder projection. And it's got a really good sound on it and um, it's a gift that continuously is being used. Uh, if we're in the kitchen and we're cleaning or something, we'll put on the, the speaker or if we're outside playing in the backyard, we'll put the speaker on. If we're having a bonfire one night in the backyard, we'll put some music on or whatever it may be. If we want to have a little dance party in the house, we'll, we'll, we'll do that from time to time and just have fun. But, but this thing has really gotten some, some good use uh, over the years. It is a gift um, that has lasted years and it's still being put to use on a regular basis. It's a gift that has mattered to us. And one of the things I want to share with us this morning with you is that the Holy Communion is a gift, and it is a gift that matters. And Holy Communion is an ongoing gift for the church. It's ongoing. It's something we continue to, um, uh, to celebrate. It's something we continue to, um, to, to participate in. God has given us all sorts of gifts, the gift of being born, the gift of being created in God's image, the gift of having family, the gift of, of having air in our lungs, the gift of having a church family that we feel that we can belong to. This is all God's grace, and it's by God's amazing grace that we can receive these things, and it's the same with Holy Communion. It's a gift that we continually receive. It's a gift that never goes old. It never runs dry. It's a gift that God has provided to us. This week I, I um, did some traveling and I had to go through some toll booths. And I don't have an easy pass, so I always pull over and hand out a dollar or three dollars in Delaware, when, whatever it is, depending on if it's a weekend or a weekday. And um, on Friday I was traveling up north and, and I... Um, I, I pulled over, and, and it, it's kind of neat because it takes a little extra time, but you get to see somebody and say, how you doing? Give them, a, give them a dollar, and you just keep on moving. And, you know, they have their little gloves on because they're touching money all day. And, uh, but one thing that the, the toll booth operators are doing is that they're receiving something. They're receiving something all day long. They're receiving bills. They're receiving money in order to put into the cash register uh, for cars that are paying their tolls and coming through. One thing that they're doing is, is receiving that. And oftentimes when they receive that, they say thank you. And it's, a, it's, it's something that, they're, that, that is given to them and something that they uh, you know, take care of after it's given uh, to them. And I want to share with you some things about Holy Communion this morning, some, some things about this holy meal, is because the first thing is when we receive, we are receiving, like, like a toll booth operator receives something from us, we are receiving something from God when we re receive Holy Communion. And that thing that we are receiving is the grace of God. We receive the grace of God when we partake in Holy Communion. In the United Methodist Church, we celebrate two sacraments, a 
sacrament is uh, basically what that means is it is an outward sign. And in, in the case of Holy Communion, the bread and the cup, it's an outward sign of an inward grace. And we celebrate that in two different ways in the Wesleyan tradition. There's many of our brothers and sisters in other traditions that um, celebrate more than two sacraments, but we celebrate two along with uh, many other Christians because Jesus told us to do these things. And, and there's their, these are the two things that Jesus told us to do. And those two sacraments, of course, are baptism. Jesus says, be baptized. And uh, Holy Communion. And Jesus says, do these things in remembrance of me. But when we participate in the sacraments, we receive the grace of God. We receive the grace of God through the waters of baptism, and we receive in Holy Communion through the bread and the cup, we receive the grace of God in a tangible way. Baptism is a one-time event in our lives. It's that, it's that one-time sacrament that we participate in, whether it's when we're a child or when we're an adult. That's a one-time uh, act that we still practice, of course, in the life of the church. But Holy Communion is an ongoing sacrament that we participate in to nourish us, to, be, to remind us of our call to go out and to be people who make disciples of Jesus Christ and to be reminded of who we are as children of God. In Holy Communion, we are experiencing the mystery of God's grace and we're proclaiming that Christ has died, that Christ has risen, and that Christ will come again. We receive God's grace at this table and all are welcome to come and receive that grace. We don't want to restrict that from anybody. So the table is open to all who want to come and receive the grace of God and experience that beautiful, amazing grace. You remember the story, uh, the Emmaus story in Scripture, where the two people are walking on the journey to Emmaus and the resurrected Jesus appears to them and they don't recognize Jesus until they sit down to dine with Jesus and until the bread is broken, all of a sudden they realize this is Jesus. Jesus is revealed to them at the breaking of the bread. So not only do we receive the grace of God through Holy Communion, the, 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 another thing that we uh, proclaim about Holy Communion is that Jesus is present with us at the table. That Jesus is really present with us as we dine at the communion table. It's important to emphasize that this is, the communion table is not the church's table, it's not the pastor's table, it's Christ's table. And all are welcome to come and receive and participate in Holy Communion and experience the real presence of Christ. There is no earning an invitation to Christ's table. So many times, and it saddens me, I've seen people not come and receive Holy Communion, not because maybe they're not ready for it or something like that, but uh, they don't feel worthy. I'm not worthy to receive this. And that just breaks my heart because who is? We're, none of us are worthy. And what more reason to come forward and receive the grace of God? We, we receive this beautiful grace at the table and it, and it nourishes us and and, and helps us to, to be faithful in service to God. Christ is at the center of the communion table. It's important to continually remind ourselves about how important the sacraments are in the church and how we experience the grace of God through them. About a month ago when the Super Bowl was on, if some of you watched that game, there was a funny um, thing that happened 
on social media. Somebody was recording um, somebody in the, in the crowd. And during the game, during the Super Bowl, and if you're a sports fan, this is the biggest game of the year. This is, this is huge. And you would think that everybody that went into the stadium and paid all that money for those tickets would be fully invested and be fully, um, fully embrace the experience and totally be into the game. But there was a funny picture that started floating around of this man who fell asleep in the middle of the game. First quarter, he was, he was just dozing off in the corner. And uh, one of his buddies apparently woke him up. I was reading about it in an article this week, and he wasn't too happy to realize when he woke up uh, after he just put his head back for a minute that all of a sudden he had gone viral. Uh, and he was the internet sensation during the, during the game. It's, it's like uh, some people are saying, that's one of the most expensive naps you'll ever have. Um, and he just kind of, he's not even wearing the team colors for either the team that was there. It's just interesting. Um, and, and he totally missed out on what sports fans would call a significant event. Uh, if you go to that game and you're a sports fan, you don't want to miss a play. You don't want to miss anything. And here he is, just kind of dozed off, relaxing, and taking a nap. And he was at something significant, and he was missing out. When you receive Holy Communion, you are doing something significant. You are remembering, as I said, that Christ has died, that Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. You are dining with Jesus, just like the disciples did in the Last Supper. Jesus is present with you as you receive the, um, the sacraments, and you are experiencing God's grace in a powerful and amazing way. That is extremely significant. Think about those things. Try to wrap your, your mind around those things and, and come to the table this morning in faith. This is more than just a remembrance. Of course, Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, and we do remember that. But if we're receiving the grace of God, there's some powerful things going on as we come and partake in Holy Communion. It is a channel by which God gives us grace, and all are welcome to receive this grace. God has provided many, many options for us to receive grace. It's not just through Holy Communion. It's not just through baptism. There are many, many things out there just waiting for us whether it's accountability partners or fasting or prayer or small groups or Bible studies, we can experience the grace of God in all sorts of ways. But in one tangible way, in one way that has an outward sign is the sacrament of Holy Communion. And once a month we offer that here at the church. How are you being plugged into receiving the grace of God in your own life? And how am I doing the same? How are we positioning, positioning ourselves to receive the grace of God? This is the season of Lent. It's the first Sunday in Lent. It's still not too late to take seriously prayer and fasting and maybe reading some more than we usually do. Um, it's a time to really, to kind of hone down and, and to seek to grow in our faith because that's how we grow and mature spiritually. We're not going to grow and mature spiritually by accident. We have to be intentional about it. And the way that we grow is by God's grace. That is what makes us grow. So 
we need to be participating in those things that help us to grow. The first church I was at, a little rural church up in Kent County, um, I remember one day serving Holy Communion, and um, at that church, the, one of the services, we did that every week. And um, one week, um, there was a, a, an older gentleman who had come up next to me. His name was Barry. And Barry was uh, holding the bread. And in the back of the church uh, came a man named George Brown. George uh, sadly died just a couple months ago. But George was a man who, who loved prayer and loved uh, receiving Holy Communion. And one Sunday, we had two different kind of stations, and um, I was on this side of the church, and they were over here. And as George came up to receive Holy Communion, I could hear, you know, he had opened his hands, and I could hear him tell Barry, as Barry put the bread in his hands and said, this is the body of Christ given for you. And George closed his hands, and he looked at Barry, and he said, thank you. I need it. I need it. And then Barry responds and says, we all do. That was somebody who understood that communion was more than just a remembrance. It was somebody who said, I need the grace of God in my life. I need to grow in my faith. I need this bread. I need this cup. And I'll never forget that. And I think about hearing those words. That taught me so much just in that moment of just hearing two parishioners talk about that back and forth. It was a special moment for me to witness as a pastor. May Holy Communion not just be something that we do, but may it be something that we need. Because when it's just something we do, we just come up and we take it and we go sit back down and it's, you know, whatever. It's fine. But when it's something that we need our, and we, re, we remember what we're doing and we remember how significant it is and that Christ is present with us, it changes everything. As Christ shared this meal with his disciples on his last night before his death on the cross, Christ shares this meal with us this morning. How amazing is that? So in a few moments, I'm going to invite you to come forward, not because it's something that you're going to do, but it's something that you and I are going to need. So let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the many gifts that you have given to us. We thank you for the gift of Holy Communion. Lord, none of us are worthy. We have all fallen short. We have all messed up. We have all failed to be obedient to you. But you still love us and you still call us to yourself and you still offer forgiveness and grace and mercy. So help us to come in faith to the table this morning knowing that you are with us and that you are present and that we are receiving your grace as we proclaim the mystery of our faith that Christ has died Christ is risen and Christ will come again. We give you thanks. And Lord, as we continue to prepare our hearts for Holy Communion, help us to also lift up those things that are 
on our hearts, those things that burden us on this day, those, those joys and concerns that we need to lift up. Um, so let us take a moment to lift up any concerns that we have this morning. What are some prayer requests that we have uh, in our midst today? What are some, some concerns we can be lifting up? Yeah.